You are now listening to the Open Canvas. Open Canvas. This is Taj Alexander. I'm here with a very special guest. He is a music producer, but also someone who understands the history and culture behind the music that he chooses to create. So, without any further ado, introduce yourself, man. Hey, everybody. My name is Austin LeBron, or Austin LeBron. I mind the accent is because <laughs> I have a lot of accents in my actual name. Austin LeBron isn't my real name, by the way. Really? Oh well, yeah, my real name's Jose Fernandez. Okay, dope, dope. So, alright, so that's a good place to start. Like, how did you come up with the name Austin LeBron? Uh, Austin LeBron came about because, one, no one's gonna listen to music by Jose Fernandez. As a Hispanic, as a Latinx person, yeah. there's like 20 Jose's in everyone's phone, at least. <laughs> From my personal experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, LeBron is my grandmother's last name. Mm. And I grew up in Queens, where I still live now, mm-hmm. and I lived on Austin Street. So mm. my mother wanted to name me Austin. Wow. Austin. LeBron. That's dope, man. That's mm-hmm. dope. You know, it touches on the type of music you make, you know, in terms of the, the influences that you draw from in the music that you create. What would you say that is? For a lot of it, it's uh, old, old, old records from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I listen to a lot of jazz. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of Latin jazz. Uh, I got into jazz earlier this year, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah, I was uh, making music earlier on this time in 2016, last year. This past spring semester in college, I took a history of jazz class, mm. and it opened my mind yeah. on just jazz in general. But what I didn't like about the fact about the class, even though it was very detailed and spoke about all these greats, Miles Davis, Art Tatum. Mm. He, the professor, didn't really talk about Latin jazz too much. Mm. And Latin jazz, to me, is important. Yeah. Because Dizzy Gillespie was the one that started Latin jazz. Oh he had gosh. a, uh, in his band, he had a Cuban, uh, I forget what instrument he played, but there was a Cuban person in his band. Yeah. And he, that man showed him all this Cuban music. Yeah. And he fell in love with Latin music. Yeah, yeah. And during that time, you also have artists like Machito. Hmm. and Tito Puente doing big band stuff. First of all, like, if anyone's listening to this episode, like, pause it and then just Google all of these people he's mentioning <laughs> and like, or even just YouTube them and watch yeah. some of their live sessions because that's where, like, the, the richness and the history comes from. So so rename those people, like, the Tito Puentes. That's, like, yeah. my life right there. Tito but, Puente, yeah. Machito, and his Afro-Cubans. A yes. lot of people don't know about him. Yes. He's a very important person <laughs> when it comes to salsa and Latin jazz. Mm. So it's Tito Puente, Machito and his Afro-Cubans, Dizzy Gillespie. Mm. Those three sort of changed and molded Cuban music to mm. make it salsa. It was yeah. it was Latin jazz and then Latin jazz morphed into salsa with uh, other artists from Fania. Yeah. At that time it was Tico and Alegre. Mm. Okay, dope man. Yeah, and I just like have nothing but respect for for your even knowledge of these people and like the due diligence that you put into your music. Um, and it comes out clearly when you hear like the final product. It's like you did your homework. Yeah. You know, you actually went into like the the crates, so to say, whether that be physical or digital. Mm-hmm. Like you did your homework. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. A lot of artists or even producers who make music, I think that's a big part of your identity. Yeah. You know, and, and you can't overlook that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's major, man. That's major. Yeah. Before I even started doing this Latin stuff, my dad, he was the one that got me into it. Mm-hmm. Ever because I started making music when I was uh, like thirteen. 12 mm-hmm. and I was making really bad electronic music on three <laughs> everyone now if if someone's like 23 24 25 pushing 30 and they say that they never made electronic music or like <laughs> sample based hip hop right. when they were in their like, early stages of making music they are liars yeah because that's how everyone started if, if, yeah. if we're all the same age at some point either yeah. you did some Daft Punk Dead Mouse type mm. or some MF Doom sampling just old old records yeah 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 so I decided to make electronic music nice nice, nice man yeah so um, what is your, your family background in history like what, oh. where are they from my dad, he's Puerto Rican. He was born over there. Mm-hmm. And my mother's Puerto Rican, but she was born here, so she's Boricua. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much it. Nice. And where in the city? In the Bronx? Because my family's in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, no. Where Where exactly? My mom grew up in the Lower East Side. She lived oh, okay. in Alphabet City. She lived on Avenue D. Okay, yeah. And my dad grew up here in Williamsburg. Really? Yeah. It was called the South Side. South Side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He grew up a couple blocks away by Marcy. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, man. So, for you, having that, like, history... 
or lineage? Like, how has that sort of impacted you, like, growing up? I would say growing up, especially when I was a kid, I didn't really understand. Yeah. Because, like, I, I knew yeah. I was Puerto Rican, right. and I spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. and, like, I, I, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Puerto Rico, there's this place called Guavate mm-hmm. that we would go up to when I was a kid. I was, like, five. Yeah. Like, four or five, three before my sister was born. And we would go up there regularly during the weekends mm-hmm. and it's a place to just listen to live music but i hated it because it was so loud <laughs> like i hated it so much and i never really understood latin music my culture when you know pasteles tostones <laughs> it was a lot of food yeah 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 it was going to church a lot mm-hmm. that was about it's, it were you going to church like multiple days out of the week or was it just one day um just sunday i went to sunday school okay to, just for my communion yeah yeah and i went to catholic school for three years mm-hmm. which is just getting a good education learning how to write penmanship right right <laughs> which fell off yeah <laughs> um for you you, you say you had siblings though right yeah little right. sister little sister and what was that dynamic for you growing up were you like sort of the older brother who was protective or were you like we were chill yeah we're still pretty chill we have a really good sense of humor we joke around all the time yeah it was a pretty chill relationship. It wasn't bullying or joking around. It was more like... Because we, we shared a room for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And back when I was 11, 12, I used to make really corny videos. <laughs> and she would always be in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had puppets. I put on puppet shows for her. <laughs> it was really cute. I loved her. I still love her. Dope, dope. What's her name, by the way? Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Okay, shout out to Jocelyn. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. So, so now this time, you're like a young kid. Um, where did you go to school in the city? I went to, well, I went to middle school uh, in Queens, which was Catholic school. Okay. Shout out Holy Child of Jesus. Mm. Okay. And uh, I went to high school because I hated wearing uniforms. Everybody wanted to go to um, Malloy. <laughs> I, was, I can't wear uniforms anymore. Yeah. So I applied to the High School of Graphic Communication Arts on 49th Street. Mm, okay. Because I was really into audio editing. Yeah. I would uh, make clean versions of songs. Oh, yeah. Find the instrumentals, <laughs> go on Audacity, and layer them on top of each other, and yeah. just mute out the curse words. Yeah. That's why I couldn't understand how waveforms work mm. when I was, like, 13. Wow. Yeah. And why, why were you doing that? Were you doing that so you could just play it in the house and your parents wouldn't be mad at you, or what? Actually, no. I, <laughs> I, I just wanted to know how to censor a song, but the right way. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah, what yeah, drew yeah. me to it. I, it all started when I heard Alvin the Chipmunks. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what. What led you to that? I was fascinated (laughs) at the fact that speeding up your vocals makes your voice sound higher. Mm. So I would take the songs from the 60s and I would slow them down and be like, wow, this is just the same guy changing the pitch of his voice. Right, right. Just recording really slowly. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So it sort of stemmed from that. But even before that, when I would have a CD player and I was a kid, I was like seven. Yeah. I would have a Barney CD in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I would listen to it, but I found out that if you take the jack uh-huh. just uh, out just enough, yeah. you do manual voice cancellation, what? and you can just hear the background music. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. So you were like discovering this stuff at a really young age. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Like, oh wow, I don't really want to hear them sing. I want to hear <laughs> the music behind it. Yeah, 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 man. So you were like manipulating and figuring how how things work. Mm-hmm very early on yeah you know so it only makes sense that you're sort of doing that now in your own way Mm -hmm. you know so that's so dope so you went this is a middle school or high school that you went to it was a high school okay Uh, i was a photography major Mm -hmm. because your senior year you can do video Mm. and that's what i was into audio editing right so i went i did photography for three years Mm -hmm. uh video for one year so i know a lot about photography i used to develop film yeah that's what was black and white film and then everything went to digital but the first year Mm -hmm. you have to actually get a roll of film borrow a camera Mm -hmm. then you got to go into the dark room take the negative you you got to wash the negative whole process and roll it in the dark you just just your eyes closed (laughs) and then it all comes out terrible because you're 13 you don't know what you're doing yeah yeah but whatever you can salvage you put in the enlarger you put the fixer in and you smell like fixer for the whole day So, yeah, yeah, and just like a caveat, it's like you think about photography nowadays, how, I mean, for lack of a word, how instant it is. Yeah. Like, you know, you would hope that a lot of photographers would see and like 
understand like the 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 labor that goes into like the actual craft of photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's you know? a lot. There's this, a lot that the goes developing into it. film is. Yeah, and it was black and white color. You have to add a lot more uh, chemicals. Right, right. Just, to, just for, for for color film. Yeah, yeah. But this was it was a process. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. It's like you have to love it. You have. Yeah, to you have it. to yeah. really like yeah. standing in the dark by yourself, <laughs> developing all these photos alone. Yeah. Photography is a lonely world. Mm, mm, for real, for real. <laughs> but yeah, man, so high school now, you're, you're sort of getting into like sort of sound and understanding how audio editing works. Mm-hmm. Like, so were you also thinking of, okay, I can like manipulate tracks and things that already exist, or were you also thinking I can create as well? I was thinking I can create. Okay. Because I was just making clean versions of like Lonely Island tracks. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was the most fun to do because you're just cursing all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I downloaded FL Studio because I was writing funny rap songs. Mm. And I didn't want to pay for a beat. Yeah. Working yeah. a 12 year old get $300 to pay for a beat. So right. I said, I, I, want, I can make this myself probably. Yo. So I found Fruity Loops. Yo, that is such a good point, yo. Because like, even now, it's like you, you, you like hear things and you see things. It's like, man, like, I wish I had somebody who can do this for me. I mm-hmm. wish I could. But now more than ever, it's like, we can just learn how to do it ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes you surprise yourself, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you could have been asking somebody else to do something for you, you can actually like take that time to learn the craft and, and get good at it. You yeah. know, so, but continue, Fruity Loops, Fruity Loops. It was Fruity Loops. I was yeah. making terrible hip hop <laughs> beats just using the sound. I had no clue. What, what did it sound like? Like what, what type of hip hop were we talking? It's like boom bap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no swing. There was right, no swing right, at right, all. I didn't right. know how to do anything. No, no flavor yet. No flavor. Nothing. Yeah, just the basics. And yeah. then when I was messing around with the program a lot more, I found synths. Mm. Preloaded synths. And mm. I said, oh, there's a lot more to this program. It's a whole other world out here. Yeah. And then I just started uh, programming the, the keys. I had no former training in music. Yeah, yeah. It was actually doing that that I got into teaching myself how to play. Because mm. I got tired of manually putting in the chords and yeah. the notes. Yeah. So I bought a Rock Band 3 controller. It was a keyboard controller. I still have it. Wow. And I Yo, saw Shout it. out to Rock Band. Shout man. out to Rock Band. Yeah. That, that, that got me into a lot. Yo, low key, a lot of like, because you think people our age, like who grew up around that time when like Rock Band was huge. You know, a lot of us like fell in love with music and even some producers probably fell in love through like Rock Band, Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. like games like that. As yeah. simple as it sounds, like those things probably got a lot of people into music. That The DJ Hero got me into uh, mashups. DJ, DJ Hero. That was my yo. game. I was five stars expert every single time. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. You, you, you chewed it in. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. But I, 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 I saw a little hole on the side of the uh, Rock Band 3 keyboard controller. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. I found out it's a MIDI port. You can use it as a MIDI controller to play on FL, and I just started teaching myself how to play when I was 13, 14. Okay. You're basically taking this video game, right? And you're like, basically, you're manipulating again. You're like, you're finding a way, (laughs) you're finding a way to to use something that has its own intended purpose, Mm -hmm. and then being able to create with it, you know, or find a way where you can actually express yourself through it. Still super young, you know, like this is not like stuff people just find out and just stumble upon. This is something that you actually have a knack for. I wanted to know know what that hole was. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I've never, because I've I've seen audio, like I've I've seen headphone jacks. Yeah. But I've never seen that type of port that is a circle Mm. with just three prongs. Yeah. What? I can hook this up to my laptop? (laughs) Right. I got to buy this right Right, now and I got to buy a cable. And that's like the exciting part about it is like you, you discover something and then it like leads you to a whole new world of like expression or creativity mm-hmm. you know it leads you to to like new avenues and new ways to find out how to create new sounds you know i think that's sort of like a, a joy you can find in it you know so that's yeah. dope that's dope man so all right so now you're sort of transferring your your passion for this video game into making music so what was the next step after that the next step was just understanding how to play I wasn't so concerned with the theory because I had no clue what I was playing, but I just wanted to know how to play an instrument. Yeah. What instrument specifically? Piano. Okay. Yeah. Because my parents, every time they spoke about an artist, Mm. uh, Prince or Chris Cornell, but they're amazing musicians. Mm. Like Bruno Mars is an amazing entertainer, is an amazing writer, but he's a musician. Mm. He's a multi-instrumentalist and Mm. he can, it's so well-rounded. And I thought that was important for me. Yeah to not only make music, but to actually play an instrument. Yeah. 
Yeah, I find that too. If you want to even draw a parallel to like an Anderson Pack, is like someone who can literally play multiple instruments very well, and it influences to how good he sings as well. Yeah, because you can tell like even when and how he sings, like you can tell he's a musician. Mm-hmm. You can tell like he understands how instruments play and interplay with each other, and how his voice should sort of overlay that. You mm-hmm. know, so that's also like the types of artists that you can really say like they separate themselves from the pack. You yeah. know those who understand the music and the musicality of instruments and how involved it is you know so i, I fully respect that man for sure yeah, for sure yeah you're learning piano yeah um was that a, a long process or did you find like that natural to sort of get into or? it was pretty natural i mean mm. but before i got the rock band midi i my mom bought me a roll-out piano mm. and it was terrible it was cheap and I started teaching myself how to play um, Daft Punk's Something About You with the mm. little keyboard that dun, 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 dun. Mm. I learned how to play that and, classic classic uh, uh, Axel F mm. on the keyboard to understand his little solos because I wasn't ready for chords just <laughs> movement yeah 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 nice nice so, so at this time are you now like figuring out okay I'm learning how to play the piano I'm learning how like I can actually like create on some level a, like a soundscape using chords and things like that were you like thinking okay i'm just gonna stick to like the physical instrument or were you gonna also try to get it into like the the digital and sort of like recording yourself doing some of this it was a little weird because Mm. i was using fl on uh pc okay and that keyboard had such a delay and a lag Mm. lag had Mm -hmm. a lag that whenever you would hit a note a couple of milliseconds you would hear it Mm. so recording live Mm. i'm always just a little bit off yeah yeah oh you gotta play ahead almost yeah get it on point and when i I was 16 17 and i had that that was too much (laughs) so i try to find somewhat of a healthy balance but i was leaning more towards just straight up production Mm. because i've listened to a lot more trap music okay yeah like flostradamus of course of course uh, um Balls Vanderbeats, just you know, mad decent. Yeah, early yeah. mad decent. Twenty twelve trap. Mm, mm. Just learning how to do that. Yeah, because I like the, the heavy bass and understanding how to do that, and that helped me realize or understand mixing. Because mm. every time, well, the one thing that opened my mind about this was that when I was making my early electronic tracks, my I always found out that I had no bass, mm. no bass, okay, no bass anywhere. Yeah. And I was 13, and I made a remix to a Super Mario RPG track. Mm. I forget the name of the the, the song. Yeah. I put in all the notes because I yeah. didn't want to download yeah. the automated notes. I I listened to the song and put in every single individual <laughs> note. Yeah. And I submitted it for a contest. No, it's for the website. I forget the website. Yeah. You can just upload video game remixes. Okay. okay. And they didn't like it Damn. a couple years later i found out that they hated it what? i saw their notes like oh because my old name used to be uh, jay swizzle jay swizzle when i was in high school <laughs> it was just going off of your, your yeah name. <laughs> jay swizzle yeah 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 <laughs> and my old tag was jay swizzle's in the house mm, so the okay, first thing okay. that they wrote with the judges wrote was jay swizzle definitely not in the house this Damn. track is terrible I'm like, oh no I'm glad I found that when I was 18. Right. Because if right. I didn't, I would have probably never done music again. I quit, yeah. I, like, feel oh. I feel you, man. For feel a 14-year-old. Like, oh. Yeah. I'm 14. I'll just say for all of us, we're glad, we're glad you didn't quit, man. We're yeah, me quit. Yeah. I was, I, I was in a position. That's mm. how the Austin LeBron thing started. Mm. Because um, I had copyright strikes on my old Jay Swizzle account. Mm. I had two. Damn. And then I got hit with a third one. Damn. And I had an idea for the, an Austin LeBron side project for a while before I started it. Mm. Just more future bassy. I want to learn how to play chords and learn jazzy movements. Yeah. Which I was, which in that context was a gospel, mm. like Lido esque. And it got terminated, and I made a decision: Do I stop making music, or do I just make music under a new name? And now I'm doing this podcast. Mm. So yeah. I, I made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's that's deep. That's deep, man. Yeah, so. it's a decision for a lot of the, 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 the. If you have a SoundCloud account and you have any sort of copyright strikes, and you're in, and you make that decision, you really have to think about it. I was thinking about it for a long time. Do mm. I actually like this enough? Mm. And I decided to go one step further and actually learn how to play a different type of music because mm. I liked uh, Trippy Turtles' music. It was very 
R&B, this minor sevenths, minor seven chords, beautiful jazzy gospel-y stuff. Yeah. And I wanted to learn how to do that. Mm. But within the context of trap music, you kind of lose it. You lose it a little bit, yeah. And then, well, what he did was that he brought them together and made Future Bass, mm. Mm. which is sort of a response to Wolfgang Gardner's type of music before him. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make a different type of music as opposed to trap. I can, say, I can just get rid of this name, make a whole new genre, mm. and that's what I did. I respect it, man. And, and that's something that I, I, I find that a lot of young creators, even if they're not just musicians, but but any anyone who has to like sort of make that decision, like you said, you were at that point where it was like, do I stop this or mm-hmm. do I keep going, yeah. or do I just reinvent myself? You know, take it even a step further. You know, and I think that's something that as creatives, there are points in our journey where we have to find a way to reinvent ourselves, but also stay true to who we are. Yeah, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Right, right. That that's that I've always found important doing mm. this Latin trap music because mm. I was doing future bass. And getting out of that mm. comfort zone helped me a lot. Mm. And I did my homework and that it got me out of my comfort zone even more because I never really listened to salsa like that. Yeah. At yeah. all. Yeah. Like all I knew was Aguanile, Hector Lavo, mm. just pretty basic. But then I started going into it and I learned about artists like Joe Cuba and La Lupe and Ismael Rivera. Mm. I had no clue these guys existed. Yo, everybody Google these names, by the way. Don't don't, yeah. don't overlook these <laughs> names. Like, for real, for real. He's dropping jewels on you right now. Keep, continue, continue. <laughs> and that really helped me to say... I, I, always, I always try to take it a step further. Whenever I release a... Whether it be a remix or an original, mm. take it a step further. Because for me, it's always... I'm making a track. This is the best track I've ever made. <laughs> and then I release it and I'm like, this track is garbage. I gotta, make, I gotta make another one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then you're, yeah. you're, you're always bettering yourself more and more and more and more. It's always getting mm. out of your comfort zone. And for me, that's playing a lot more live. Yeah. Uh, learning how to uh, make better fingering positions, um, using more realistic instrumentation, um, changing the track up, adding movement. Like mm. These things are very important, not only to satisfy, but to music in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so great to hear you talk about music in this way because I think a lot of times, sometimes the, the blessing and the curse of SoundCloud is people see a list of tracks and think you just sort of like whip them up in a few seconds. Mm. And it's like, oh, this is just like a quick little, you know, trap beat. You know, this is a quick little something, something, instrumental, you know, whatever. Not understanding all the thought and homework that you mm-hmm. put in to actually create a, even just one track. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even though we all benefit from SoundCloud and things like that, it's like sometimes there's so much music out there that people assume that it's easy to create, that it's simple to create. Even yeah. though if it may be effortless and enjoyable to do, the process is still hard work. Yeah. You know, so so for you, how do you, how do you feel about that in terms of like the music you create and the time that you put into sort of like all the things you're explaining, like creating movement? Like, you don't hear a lot of producers say, I want to create movement in the track, you know? So, like, for you, what does that mean to you, man? When it comes to that, when it comes to SoundCloud and just people listening to it, because I've heard some tracks that are sample-based, and those are easy to whip up. Mm. But when it comes to a track that, like I said, has movement, and to me, movement is very important, especially in music now. Mm. Pop music, uh, rap music. Mm -hmm. There's not that much movement especially in this genre latin trap mm-hmm. um as far as i know voipaya and that first product i released was one of the first project that was original production mm-hmm. in terms of uh, in, in latin based context because mm-hmm. i've heard uh that track with uh i don't know how to pronounce his name Ikami, mm-hmm. that he he sampled um willie bobo track with a uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, a vocal over it, which is an amazing track. Yeah, it came out a couple, I think, couple weeks. I think I, I just finished White by Ya. Yeah, and then <laughs> I heard that track and I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great track, mm. but I feel that I decided to differentiate myself, even though from hearing early sounds like that, that it was a lot, it was sample based, mm. and what I've learned. Even in my own productions, original and sample-based. If you're going to sample a salsa track, this is all the people that want to make Latin trap music. Mm. If you're going to sample a salsa song, don't limit yourself Mm. to just the one piano loop Mm. or just the one percussion loop. Because the song, these songs are five, six, seven minutes long. Mm. There's so much Mm. 
in, a, in, in just one song, you can just say, I'm going to take this part and then this part for the bridge and then this part for the drop and then this part for this, like a really middle, just we're going to relax for a little bit because mm. these songs have that because it's at its core jazz music. Yeah. There's solos in these songs. Mm. You really have to listen to the whole thing. I, I listen to a lot of Latin trap music and I love the fact that a lot of more people are getting into it. Mm. But the one thing that I hear a lot of that I wish you can just tell these producers, hey, this song is really good. There's five minutes left in it too. <laughs> they, yeah, there's a yeah, lot yeah, more you yeah. can pull from. There's mm. a lot more you can get inspired from. Mm. Mm. And that's one thing when it comes to movement. I would say for me, that's one of those important things. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to a track movement, because repetitive is nice for like four bars. Mm. After that, it's like something else has to happen. Right. I limit my tracks to two bars of repetition. Yeah. And then I add something new. Mm. I always add something new. Okay, that's the keyboard. Now let's add some guido. Now let's mm. add a, a, like timbales. Just add more instruments yeah. to give the sense, because I'm doing this by myself, mm. that I'm in a room full of people. Yeah. And I've now I've gotten into um, programming timbales solos, mm. which is a pain in the ass. <laughs> because yeah, like you're not yeah. manually hitting something so you yeah. have to understand how mm. that instrument works and how drums work and just program it mm. but movement is very important when yeah. it comes to that and yeah I see like you're doing that in a way where you're you're actually taking yourself out of like the mind of an individual and almost like putting yourself in the mind of each person in a band mm -hmm. or in a group you know like you say like you're, you're imagining you're using your imagination to almost see like a room full of people and like you go to like a, a jam session or something like that they there may be like three or four players who like start jamming then somebody else comes in with the instrument and they start you know adding yeah. a, a little flavor and somebody else say oh shit like, mm -hmm. let me add a little something on top of that you yeah. know and like when i hear your music that's what i hear it's like you're you're creating that live jam session feel by yourself as as an individual and that that's not easy to do you know that's not easy to create that um that sense of collaboration within one person, you know? So like, that's really dope to see, man, really, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so I think like to, to hear you even say that is great for like young producers and young people who are into music listening to this now, because I think, you know, to, to understand like there there is, a, there, there is a way about going about doing this, you know? And even like when you say like, somebody may hear a, a great like a Tito Puente song and like, hear the first like maybe two minutes of like a 10 minute you yeah. know jam session and it's amazing and they're like oh shit i could do so many things with this first two minutes mm -hmm. and they miss out on the eight where yeah. they could like do there's even, even more you're like well there's right. another solo right right well right. there's two more trumpets <laughs> coming in at the end there's a saxophone in this song since when wait who put a violin in this it's like wait a minute yeah yeah so that, that's that's the beauty of it and i feel like and that's almost like the the joy of what like young producers have now is like they can actually even if they don't even plan on using or sampling the song just sit down and listen mm -hmm. just sit down and enjoy it like yeah. there's a wealth of music that has come before us that is just waiting for us to listen yeah. to it's like sitting there like listen to me mm -hmm. like we're talking about oh we we want to like create all these new sounds and these new waves and things like that to be honest like all that inspiration there is it's waiting for us it's yeah. waiting for us like, it, it's there it's yeah. in, in old spotify playlists like if you, <laughs> if you can just find a label yeah. and find them on spotify yeah take yeah. your favorite label doesn't matter uh -huh. they, they're gonna have a spotify account mm. look into their playlists yeah and just listen to the oldest things you can find right, right. like their first couple releases mm. your, your mind's gonna be blown yeah, yeah that's what everyone guys just do this <laughs> do it you're on the train you're in the car. Yeah. You're stuck in traffic. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Def Jam. First couple. Uh, just, just listen to it. Mm. It's your mind will be blown. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, man. There's so much inspiration out there, and it's like we would hope that the music that young people are creating now, that we're creating, um, is appreciated in that light in mm -hmm. the future. I mean, yeah. I mean that just that just adds a little perspective, you know, like just how we're sort of like. You know, getting hyped off of like the history of like these different musicians and these different bands and groups, we should also see like we should be wanting to create music on that level. Yeah. You know, if we're if we're real about it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we I'm not I'm not a producer. I'm not saying we, but you and others should you know seek to do that. You know, and create something that 
is of of, of a timeless quality. Yeah, whenever you know? I make a track, because I, I listen to all these old Fania records mm. that are just timeless, timeless records, and I think of okay, this track is almost as old as my parents. Mm. This track is almost as old as my grandmother. So we're looking mm. at you know 70, 40, 50 year old music. Mm. And it's it was a classic in the '90s, and it's yeah. a classic now. Yeah. So what's gonna happen when I have kids? Mm. These tracks are gonna be almost 80, 90 years old. Yeah. Like I don't like you know, God forbid, my grandmother probably won't be alive. Mm. I hope she is to see her grandchildren. Right. Right. But <laughs> just that that idea mm. where it was classic when we were born. It was classic when people in their early 40s were just kids. Yeah. But when I'm 50, mm. what's going to be the classic? Mm. Mm. That's a great point, man. That's a great point. I mean, like we can't gauge it now. Yeah, yeah. We can only create, you know? Yeah, but I, yeah. <laughs> right now, is we have to make the classics mm. now and then show our kids or later generations, well, this track was popping. Like, mm. a couple years from now, I'm sure Cardi B's Bodak Yellow is going to be a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's, that that yeah, was a classic yeah. track. She's yeah. a good artist. Yeah. You know when you first heard it, like, okay, this is going to be here yeah. for a while. Right, right. If you yeah. listen uh, to Damn or you listen mm. to, um, mm. if you're reading This Is Too Late or any Kanye West track album, actually. True. That, 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 they're, they're classics. They're turning into classics now. Mm. And then when we're older, then they're going to be real classics. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff is happening now. So we have to make the classics. We have to make stuff that... Later generations are going to look back on for inspiration, whether it be photography, mm. art, music, writing. This this is now. We have to write the next great American novel now. Yeah. So that someone who's 25 in, I don't know, 2070 mm. can write a report on that saying that this book mm. impacted society yeah. in 2017, 2018, 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So sort of even going off of like what you're creating now. Um, you just released the project recently. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk to us about that? The project, it took me a year. Mm. It is my longest project. Mm. What's the name of it so people know? The project's called De Mi Para Ti, mm -hmm. which means For Me To You. Mm -hmm. Side note, I was real good. I was going to release the project on Spotify. I found out Tito Puente has an album <laughs> called De Mi Para Ti. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, yeah, out of respect. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, I had no clue. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I released, it took me a year to make it. I started the first track, Luna y Sol. I made it last August because mm -hmm. I was doing a show at Soho House for uh, an Inga Company event. And I wanted to make a track that, an opening track that explained, this is my music. I'm Austin LeBron. I make this weird Jersey Club, Latin, trap jazzy music and i feel that that track was that mm. and after that i made no original music mm. until march mm -hmm. march and that's when i made uh, the track dimelo because i kept repeating that 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 same progression in my mind I was taking a shower i would just keep doing it for the mm. past couple months and i so you had to get it out yeah, yeah. i i never do that every time mm -hmm. i have a really catchy chord progression in my head or just a melody mm -hmm. i record myself on my phone but i never make it mm -hmm. so i decided to give in and actually finally make it follow through yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so that was that and then after that i made el atarde ser which was inspired mainly because my girlfriend mm -hmm. she loves 80 sounds and i love 80 sounds yeah and I was showing her these 80s remixes to pop tracks, mm. like Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. They're really good. Mm. They're really good. So I got a little bit into making 80s-esque sound, which yeah. is what I do on the side, just yeah. as, a, as, a, as a palate cleanser <laughs> to the, all the yeah. Latin stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can only hear Clave so many times. <laughs> you can only listen to Jersey Club so much before you say, I want to listen to some chill house. Right, right, right. <laughs> but... I wanted to incorporate 80 sounds into a Afro-Latino soundscape. Yeah, yeah. Which is where I use the bembe clave, which is that um, mm. it's very African, very tribal, very yeah. you no know, rooted. Mm. And then after that, I made Pagosar, and that track took me a month, mm. a whole month. That was the I've ne that song. Yeah. Took me a whole month to make. Wow. I, I, I went through two demos. Yeah. And I never go through demos. Yeah. <laughs> I always have a really solid... A lot of the music that I have mm. on my SoundCloud is just one take. Mm. 
initially and then I go back and I fix it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Pagosar, I originally wrote it as a jazz track, mm. Latin jazz track, and I put it and I, I, I recorded it. Did not like the way it was sounding, mm. so then I decided to slow it down. And I was thinking about the Boogaloo tracks from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to make a Boogaloo track. <laughs> I've always wanted to. And yeah. I morphed that chord progression into a Boogaloo. Mm. And I wanted to put a lot in that song. The um, the, ri- the the riser part were going, ah, oh, my dad helped me mm. out with that. Wow. You <laughs> dad got it in the booth? You yeah. Hey. <laughs> I hooked the microphone. We were yeah. just standing really far apart to wow. give the sound of a lot of people in a room. We mm. recorded the same thing maybe 10 times. Wow. Shout out to dad real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, dope. That's dope. And uh, I wanted people to understand where I was coming from with that one. Mm. In terms of the history of Boogaloo and 70s Salsa and Fania. You can even hear me say Equa, which is uh, uh, what Joe Cuba says a lot. He says Equa, <laughs> which I liked. So I didn't take it. It was an homage. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. That's real, man. And then I made Coqui Corner. Sort of borrowing the chord progression from El Atarde Ser because that song started out as a jazz song mm-hmm. and I liked it so much. I said, let's just make a chill version. Mm-hmm. And it's recorded the jazz version of that. And Hasta la Luna was, I wanted to make a track that sort of was a response to uh, old school hip hop, mm-hmm. but added Latin elements because I tried it once and it sounded corny because mm-hmm. it was swingy. And you can have swing in Latin music. It's a little more jazzy. Yeah. But within the context of old school hip hop, boom bap, it's a little corny. Mm. Maybe I didn't crack it. Mm. Uh, if I give it more shots, I'll probably find a good medium. But I think that track was a nice middle ground mm. in terms of old school hip hop, quote unquote, old school hip hop with uh, Latin flavor. Yeah, that's real, man. Yeah. And, and just to hear you go through the track listing like that. It just sounds like there, there was so much thought put into this project and so much um, time and heart and soul put yeah, into it. Yeah, know? I went through a lot of drafts of... Because I wanted to release a project, then I said, let me hold off on that. But once September came around in October, I was... I think I should release a project. Yeah. I felt like now was a good time. I don't I don't know what was telling me, mm. but I think now was a good time to release a project. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's and it's really well received, man. I, I, I want you to know that, like, you know, for me hearing it, it's something where... I can tell like you were you were drawing from all the inspirations that we've been talking about um, but you were f- trying to figure out new ways of expressing it, you know and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing to hear it's like you know now you hear a lot of uh, producers sampling from different uh, genres of music you know to create but it's beautiful to hear like somebody sample but then also say okay what how, how far can we go with this mm-hmm. You know, what else can we create with this? What other sounds can we sort of uh, clash off of this to sort of create a new aesthetic? Mm-hmm. Um, and you were able to do that sonically, man. And, and, that, and that's really important to hear. Um, so, like, yeah, man, I want to hear more of that, you know, in the future. And even just like, you know, to that inspire people, you know, inspire people to actually go into, like, hear some of the songs that you sampled even, mm-hmm. you know, and to, like, understand where it comes from. You know, so so I think it's definitely a really dope project, man. Thank you. Man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and we're gonna like link it in the description of this episode too, so you guys can find it. Um, definitely recommend checking it out. So right now we do have a lot of music. We have a lot to work off of, mm. but I think more people have to do their homework. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people aren't doing their homework. A lot of people just, and you can hear it mm. when you hear a track. You can just hear, oh wow. This person thought that these two things were cool. Let's just put them together, mm. which is what probably what Bayas sounded like, mm. what my earlier project sounded like, because that was my mentality. Yeah, but I knew a little bit of claves and things like that to put in there. But if you really want to go forward with it, you really, you have to again do your homework. A lot of people don't do that. Mm. Sango did his homework. Yeah. Sango loved ballet funk music, and he decided to actually get involved with the culture of Brazil and understand where this music was coming from. Because mm. I even decided to listen to ballet funk music mm. and old from the 80s and, and 90s. That that was freestyle, mm. and it was very political, and then it morphed into something extremely sexual, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is just the response of the environment. Right. So I would say. These people have to do more homework. There's a lot. There's a lot of music now. There's, there, there, there's a lot of music. And we're in a really weird space with music. Mm. Because from what I hear, there's a lot of... It, it's more of the same. Mm. 
like Bruno Mars's record, amazing record, but it's nothing new. Hmm. A lot of that music sounds like, I don't know, uh, a guy best of hits or mm. babyface <laughs> best of. <laughs> you can hear where he's drawing this inspiration yeah, from. Yeah. And he did an amazing job with it. Because mm. he, he understood, he did his homework. He understood the culture behind the music and what made that music sound so good. Right. But it's just more the same. Mm. There's no real pushing to make something bigger. Because mm. you can use that music and blend it with other stuff. Mm. Which is a good thing to say. Because I wasn't uh, was in a recording session with a rapper friend of mine three years ago. Mm-hmm. That his producer or his engineer was saying that right now we're in a position of fusion. Mm. Which is actually going way back to the 70s with jazz fusion mm. what, what Miles Davis was doing Miles Davis's career lasted like 40 years because he was innovating constantly mm. Mm. and a lot of what he did was jazz fusion where it's like this is rock but it's also jazz format mm. and uh, uh, I forget other bands but there's, there's a track called Weatherbird yeah. that is was made right in the middle of jazz fusion you can hear 70s funk and uh, punk rock yeah. in jazz. Mm. So we're sort of mirroring that again now. Yeah. Like uh, Havana mm. is, it sounds like I should have made it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like if Pharrell just hit me up, I'm like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but this is like an episode where I'm really saying like, everyone, please pause at all the, um, the points where you're making, like dropping all these names and, and like titles of songs like, and listen to them. You know, really get into like some of this history we're talking about. You know, like, and can you explain like? So you're saying jazz fusion is like that in that time period, and it was like basically taking sounds from different genres and sort of crossing them and yeah. seeing like cross pollination yeah. and seeing what new can come out of mm-hmm. it. You know, so so you're saying like now we're sort of living in that era again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mm-hmm. say definitely we're in a we're. At the beginning of a, of a fusion, you can even hear Latin fusion right now. You have Despacito was on the radio this summer. Mm. I have not heard a Latin record on the radio since I was a kid. Mm. Yeah, like there hasn't been that in a very long That's time. That's deep too, man. Man, mm. like it's it, it's sort of reminding me. Uh, even uh, Camila Cabello, she released a Spanish version of Havana mm-hmm. with Daddy Yankee replacing uh, Young Thug. Young Thug. Yeah. It sort of uh, reminded me of when Beyonce would release mm. Spanish versions and Christina Aguilera would release Spanish versions of their music so that they can reach a wider audience. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of the, I guess, low-key reverse where it's just like you have the Spanish music coming to America. Mm. Mm. And it's sort of that cross-pollination again. It's it, it's fusion. We're, we're taking things from other genres and putting them together. Mm. But the important part about that is just not to blindly take... Mm from other genres like I take from Jersey club music all the time mm. but I've been listening to Jersey club since I was a kid yeah, yeah. Like you have to know this music and this culture to implement it in your music right Right. you can't just say oh that's a nice piano loop let's take that from a Cuban track and then we'll take uh, I don't know that's mm. a cool Jersey club pattern we'll just take that you have to understand what, you, what, what yeah. you're grabbing yeah there's no soul when you do that when you just like grab something and, and not even like not even, you're not even curious about it. You're not even curious yeah. about the people that it came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a big, big thing. Like you mentioned Sango earlier, like in, in other artists, including yourself. It's like you guys are definitely about like living the music that you create. Yeah, you have to. Living it, breathing it, being a part of it. Like that's so, so important, you know. So I think that we can take that into anything, really, when you think of a, a painter or like somebody else who has another form, a writer or someone else. Like they... They may draw inspiration from like a certain culture or a certain aesthetic, um, and it comes off as much more genuine when you actually like do your do the time to actually experience it and live it, so that when you create your art, it's coming from a genuine place, and it doesn't come off as biting. It comes off as like this is my paying homage, yeah, and you know showing that you know what this is this is something that's inspired me. This has gotten to me to where I'm at now. So I'm going to pay homage to it versus then trying to, to like use it or at worst, like uh, downgrade it, you know, mm-hmm. like don't make a downgraded version of something you're inspired by. Make something that takes it to the next level, you know, like yeah. if you're inspired by something, 
see how far you can push it. Yeah. You know, like this is this is great. You know, how how many other variations or untapped channels or, or sonics can we find in this? You know, that's that's something that can actually be very exciting, you know, and as a listener and as an appreciator of music, I love hearing that. I think of artists like Earth Wind and Fire. I think of artists like uh, of course Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is probably like one of my favorite favorite artists of all time. Thanks to my parents, really, like they they sort of like indoctrinated me in Stevie Wonder, um, and just to hear like um, like songs in the key of life or like um, great album. like yeah like just that album. I, I was gonna try to name about like five different albums, but I'll just start there. That's a great. I, I'm getting goosebumps yeah. I, I might get into a rant right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna whatever. So, like, you know, it's just like to hear each song on that album and to hear how Stevie was able to bend sounds and, like, use things and fuse different sounds to where, like, he would fuse things that by themselves would be, like, readily, like, you would know, okay, this is jazz, this is funk. But when he when he fused it, it didn't sound like either one of those things. It sounded like something completely different. It was him. It was his, he was like he was on his own planet, mm-hmm. you know, and not even to mention the lyrics. Like how he was able to create these amazing soundscapes, but then also pair it with lyrics that almost like complemented each other. It's like a perfect marriage of like sound and word, you know. And like that, that for me, like Stevie Wonder is that. He's like the 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 full embodiment of all the things we're talking about now. Um, but but yeah, to, to go back into the point that you're making, <laughs> let me get off my soapbox. No, but, the, the Foo yeah. Fighters had a mm. had a series on HBO a few years back. Mm called Sonic Highway mm. I think it was called which is also the name of their album mm. and the series it was just them going to various cities in the United States yeah and making songs that were inspired they, they took their grunge punk rock sound and blended it with blues mm. and jazz they, they, they wanted to understand the culture of the state of where these music of where this music was coming from yeah which yeah. I think if, if you love music it doesn't matter what genre that as an artist mm. that's just or just as any type of artist really mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. seeing someone a group of someones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going to a place and asking how did this happen mm. and then the person that was there tells you and then you go back to your wherever you create. And then you get inspired by that. And then you can hear the inspiration. That's what was so cool about it. That yeah. you, they were talking about Muddy Water. And in one of the tracks, you can hear him say Muddy Water. Mm. And just uh, mm. one of his models was in the song. And you can hear a clavichord. And it was just... It was so cool. Yeah. You, you, it, it was showing the inspiration and, our, and uh, creative process perfectly. Yeah. That's, that's so real, man. That's so on point. And I'm, I'm just going to keep riffing off of what we're talking about, like even like a Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Like he came from like blues 101. He came from the music that like, you know, people were like, oh, this is the fundamentals. This is the fundamentals of jazz. This is the fundamentals of blues. Like this is the fundamentals. He came from that world. He was on the Chitlin circuit. Like he went, he was, he played as a background, background guitarist. You know, he did that. He was able to take that knowledge and that history and then sort of take blues music into the future Mm -hmm. like people think he was making this amazing rock avant-garde but really he was just playing like at its core it was still blues it's blues it's still blues (laughs) it's still it's still like african it's still black music you know and like to see him take sort of rock music and sort of like put everyone on notice like the, the Eric Clapton's, like the all these bands that like had these amazing guitarists and like, you know, he put everyone like, yo, I'm here now. Yeah. You know, and he's like, yo, I'm changing the sound for everyone. No one can do the same thing anymore and get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so just to see him, he was able to take sound and music and even the guitar and sort of make it talk in different ways you never heard it before. You know, he was able to create a new language to the guitar. You know, so for people like that, it's just like we're, we're sort of a continuation of that. I see the music that you create as a continuation of that. You know, it's like you're sort of taking the fundamentals and saying like, you know, it's for me, I play basketball all my life. And that was the, the main thing. Like the people who were able to do like the like the best players, the people who are the best at their, their, the height at their game and that were able to create and be innovative and were like super creative on the court had the best fundamentals. You know, they understood like, okay, this plus this means this. Mm. They, they knew the basics front to back. You know, that gave them the freedom to create freely. 
you know so I feel like that's so key for, for any artist any creative and any any form of medium is to to make sure you like you said earlier do your homework do the homework so that you can actually understand where the music you're making comes from and then you can take it further mm -hmm. you know take it further and do it in a way that doesn't sound misguided yeah. you know it sounds genuine it sounds fresh it sounds new you know, so I think that that's sort of the key right there, man, for sure, for sure. So, so yeah, man, so so where do you want to take it, man? Where do you want to sort of see your music sort of um, go? Like, either, like, physically, like, or, you know, you traveling at all? Or, like, where do you want to take your music, man? I, I would love if I ever get the opportunity to. Yeah. I would yeah. love to do uh, two tours. Mm -hmm. One tour would be uh, stateside, just, you know, United States, one show in Mexico, mm -hmm. one show in Puerto Rico. Nice. And then... After that, I want to tour in South America, Jessica. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be crazy, man. And then if I ever get the opportunity, a world tour would be nice. I could see that happening. Depending. Yeah, I could see that happening. So, I mean, I'm gonna say like easily, but like I just feel like with the music you create, man, it's like like the the places that you even just mentioned. Like I feel like your music is like people are waiting to see you there. You know, like. People are waiting to have you like make that like connection, like because I know people are hearing your music, but once they like are able to make the physical connection with you as a person, like and actually see you in those environments, man, it's gonna be crazy, man. I want to be like I want to be there to document it in some way, you know. Whenever, because I know that when I do a tour, my first show is gonna be in New York, and my last show is gonna be in New York. Mm. I want to do it at Terminal Five. Yeah. That's my favorite venue. Yeah. I was gonna do Webster Hall, but <laughs> R.I.P. Webster Hall. <laughs> right, so, right, right, right. Moment of silence for Webster Hall. There's yeah. some memories there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good place. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I think you can definitely... Do, do you know where in Mexico and where in Puerto Rico you'd want to perform? Like, any specific cities? Not really. And, I, and I've been to Puerto Rico every summer mm. all my life. Mm. The club scene, as far as I know down there, is pretty much like this club scene. Okay. But it's, uh, you know, I kind of get the whole, a lot of it, mm. a lot of uh, pop music. Mm. So I think taking my music and bringing it there... They're gonna hate it. Why do you say that? They're gonna hate it, and then when I leave, they'll probably listen to it again. They go, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's like, what? What's Jersey Clo? Jer Nueva Jersey? Yeah. No, Jer Jersey. New Jersey. You know, the state next to New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, man. I, I feel like when when you're like sort of a, a sonic pioneer in that way, like you almost have to go through that. You know, it's like that. I think that's sort of how most music that people like now has sort of like they had to go through that period of people having to readjust and re almost like acclimate their ears to hearing something different. You know, so I feel like that that's almost like the 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 burden that anyone who creates something new and fresh has to take on. So so I think that's something that that I think people will catch on eventually sooner than you think. <laughs> I know when I was first starting out, a lot of people would say I was making ballet funk. Mm -hmm. And that, they just assume like, oh, it sounds like this, so it must mm -hmm. be. They just group all like Latin, Brazilian. They yeah. just group everything together without actually hearing the distinction. Yeah, right? there's yeah. there's heavy distinctions between yeah. ballet funk. Just listen to a ballet funk track mm -hmm. and then listen to a salsa track. Mm -hmm. Two very different things. Yo, yo, even thinking about that too, where people like make like the lazy like assumption like they hear salsa music or they say oh yeah it's merengue or they hear it's and they not. just like they just assume like all these labels mean the same thing like if you could like in short just break that down just so that people understand like these different types of music within even latin culture i'll just start there you know like how how would you describe some of these different types of music i would say so people can understand it merengue is music at jersey club tempo but you they, you can dance really fast to it, and it usually has a right, type right. of sound. Salsa is at twerk tempo, mm. so it's like a, but instead of clapping on the one two three four one two three four, it's yeah. one two three four one two three four. Got it, got it, got it. And there's a lot more percussion, and it's very jazzy. You're gonna hear pianos in salsa. You're gonna hear bass, walking bass throughout the whole thing. It's never gonna be repetitive, and a lot of percussion. Mm. And then you have bolero music, which is sort of, I would say, trap tempo, mm -hmm. which is why a lot of the some records that I sample are bolero-esque, mm -hmm. boogaloo as well, mm -hmm. boogaloo-esque, because that's sort of funk, it's housey, mm -hmm. 
it's at a tempo that I would say maybe 120 beats per minute to 140. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, like, um, make sure people know the the countries associated with these different types of music. Oh yeah. Because so, yeah. some people just don't know. So we gotta you gotta say. Merengue it. and bachata is from the is uh, from is Dominican music. Mm-hmm. Salsa is boricua. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because salsa isn't Cuban music. Salsa wasn't made in Puerto Rico either. Mm. Salsa was made in New York. Let's break that down, man. <laughs> so when you hear a, a salsa reggae, when you hear salsa music in general, you're hearing a fusion of African music, which is percussion. You have congas, claves. All the claves you hear anywhere come from Africa. Mm-hmm. All the bong- bongos, congas, that, that's African. So you have the African music. And then you have Cuban son music, which is old school Spanish music that is very heavily reliant on guitars. If you just type in Cuban son, like 50s, you're going to hear, oh, that's what that is. It's very guitar driven, very romantic, very sad. Sometimes it could be very uppity. Yeah. So you have African, Cuban, and then you have jazz because salsa is a product of harlem that's where salsa came from you have cuban african and jazz when you bring all that stuff together you get salsa you're taking the percussion from africa with new innovations that the uh, cuban music was coming out from such as timbales maracas and then you're blending that you're sort of taking out the guitar and replacing with a piano and the piano allows for an instant jazz context. And then the bass line, instead of it just maybe just being two, like doom, 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 or just walking, it's a lot more, there's more movement in salsa bass. I'm sure there's a lot of Cuban song I haven't heard that has amazing movement in the, in the bass line. So I may be a little ignorant on that. But that's what salsa is. Salsa is three genres of music becoming one. Salsa has to be the most New York type of music. Like jazz and salsa, that that's New York. Mm, mm. That That is New York music. It's right up there with hip hop. Mm. Like if New York sinks, it's going to be remembered for jazz, salsa, and hip hop. Like that that is what New York is. Yeah. And that's important to understand. And people associate salsa with Puerto Rico because a lot of those artists that were making salsa in the beginning mm. were Puerto Rican. And yeah, that's what that is. It's three genres. It's as a fusion. I'm so thankful for you breaking that down. It's <laughs> like there's so many layers to what you just said that like people can just like just eat off of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for breaking that down, man. That's, that's so real right there, really, really. Yeah, man. And I just feel like that sort of also speaks to like even even the fact that you know you being a New Yorker and like us even this podcast being based out of New York and things like that. It's like when I have um, friends on the show, it's like it's not planned but we end up talking about new york in some way it really just happens you know i don't i don't plan like okay let's talk about new york like it just happens and i think like so much of what culture is for us and what it has become and has been um is sort of a lot of it has to do with like the city you Mm -hmm. know and sort of how how the history is sort of within us you know and i think that it's it's a really big part of like even the music that we all create you know it's sort of like it doesn't just like speak to a location you know, it speaks to all the people that have sort of passed through this city, you know, over time and have sort of also grown roots here, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like, you know, with all of the different cultures that we all come from, like for me, my family being African-American and from the South and from New Orleans and that having a whole jazz culture. Yeah. And that also being like, a, you know, a home and hub for jazz music, like and then like relatives and family members migrating to New York City and sort of, you know, laying the roots here and sort of like also becoming a part of the cultural fabric of this city. It also like speaks to like the fusion we're talking about. New York City is just as much African as it is Puerto Rican, as it is all all these other, you know, nationalities and ethnicities that we speak of, you know, and I think that's what the beautiful thing about it is. So so, and I, I see your music is sort of also representation of that. You know, so so I think it's really dope to see how you sort of have, you know, created something, whether knowingly or not, man. But like you, you're definitely representing, you know, for your city in a real way. So Thank so definitely you. really appreciate it, man. We all do. We all do. Really. Thank you. Really, Thank man. You. Yeah. <laughs>
But yeah, man, I feel like this is only like the beginning. That we have so much more to talk about. But yeah, man, how can people find your music, all the things that you're doing, just so that they can stay up to date? You can find me on SoundCloud, Austin LeBron. You can find me on Instagram, Austin LeBron, two ends, mm. And Twitter, Austin LeBron, two ends. Uh, you can find me on Spotify now, mm. Austin LeBron. My most recent project, uh, The Meet Parati, is going to be on there. Nice. So you can put it in all the Christmas playlists to yeah, make yeah, your yeah. abuela be... Huh, okay? Huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, con- confuse your family members. Just yeah. put it in the... You're going to have Ismael yeah. Rivera, mm. Hector Lavo, Willy Colon, then my track, mm. and then you're going to put Celia Cruz. Mm. If you do that, you're going to confuse yeah. everyone, but yeah. they're going to say, wait a second, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked it, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I don't hate it, but it was pretty cool, but I'm glad we're back to Celia Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dope, man. Dope. Well, thank you once again, man. This has been like... I've just learned so much from this conversation and you know I just see so much more happening for you very very soon like before you even realize it you know like that's how soon it's gonna happen so but definitely really appreciate you being on the open canvas man thank you again I appreciate you for having me man thanks absolutely so this has been the open canvas with Taj Alexander and we're out thanks man thank you yo to find out more about the open canvas hit up our website theopencanvas.com also stay tuned to our Instagram at theopencanvas and for any questions or inquiries Hit up my email, Taj, T-A-J, dot opencanvas at gmail.com. This has been The Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander.